Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Broadcasting live from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. Armstrong and Getty. And now, here's Armstrong and Getty. Studio C. C. A dimly lit room deep with the bowels, within the bowels of the Armstrong and Getty Communications compound. Hey, everybody, on Little Friday, we're under the tutelage of our general manager. America's communities coming together in the wake of the crazy winter storm. Neighbors helping neighbors. Charities pitching in. Local business people being part of their communities. It's a beautiful thing. It's not about the federal government, it's about your people. Crank up that music, Michael. It's an information party we're at. Come on in the door. I hope you brought a covered dish, something to drink for the information party. It's going to be a good time. I brought something to drink, then I spilled my entire cup of coffee in the elevator. What? It's a terrible mishap. For the directions on how to drink it written on the bottom? Yeah. (laughs) Why did they put the directions on the bottom? Yeah, well... No, it's a I, test. I squatted down to fix uh, fix my shoe. Something had gone awry with my shoestrings. And uh, I set down my coffee cup, and then I just waved my big mitt into it, knocked it over. Yeah, oh boy. So who do you contact about that? Do you just let it sit in there till it dries on its own, or do you call somebody? Do I clean it up myself, I suppose? I could do I've that. Heard coffee dripping through the bottom of the elevator right onto the braking system down in the basement. <laughs> oh, Next geez. person to use it, ah! I suppose during the break, I'll go in there with paper towels and clean it up best I can. And then my delicious, delicious coffee, which I painstakingly make the way I like it. Now gone. 
When this is a tale of woe. Those those poor people, it's 10 below. They got no heat. They're huddled together with their baby. They feel terrible for you right now. Eh, it's not so much the coffee. It's just the, I, I hate when I do stupid things. It oh, just it bothers that. me so much. <laughs> it's probably, I of all people hear that. It's probably on my mind because I'm paying a ridiculous amount of money to have a dent fixed in my truck for something that I backed into at home. A uh, big pole. It's got our gate code thing on it. It was rainy and foggy, and I was just not paying attention, and I backed into it and scraped the side of it. It didn't look like a big deal. It's not even that noticeable, but it's really expensive to fix. Something I refer to, have referred to for years, is paying the stupid tax. Yeah. Sometimes it's money. Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's derision from others. <laughs> Always paying the stupid tax. How many times have I said in the last couple of days, sure wish I hadn't backed into that thing? <laughs> Whatever. I don't How know. much is it going to cost you, you figure? Um, give me a range. $3,500. Erg. That's a lot of money. That hurts. And I didn't make a claim on my insurance. Maybe I should. I don't know. You could be. Having recently made a claim on my home insurance and got dropped by the insurance company for making the first claim of my life. I'm a little, uh, leery of doing that sort of thing. They ought to teach you in high school. The key to insurance, kids, is never make a claim. Never use it. Just Hey, your entire life. If your car gets totaled or if a tornado takes your home away, call the insurance company. Anything short of that, just pay no matter how much it is. Have you considered being crappy car guy? It looks liberating. You're just the guy who drives around with a banged up car. I didn't Maybe think... you got some plastic in the window. I, I don't have... know. I... <laughs> <Flap> him. <laughs> right, the drive. black plastic yeah. bag in the window guy. Yeah. <laughs> Or at I, least you go with clear so you can kind of make out if there's headlights there. Well, yeah, I have considered that, actually, because um, it's a, a, a 2015 with over 100,000 miles on it. Do you, oh, wow. Do you put $3,500 worth of repair into a car that old? Then I was doing a little Googling around, and we've talked about this, but I hadn't actually looked into the numbers. Used cars are at a premium now. They're worth way more than they were a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. I was shocked. And what the value was of my old truck compared to what it would have been a couple of years ago because they stopped making new cars. And the cars are the oldest. The fleet of cars on the road are the oldest they've ever been in U.S. history right now. That's wild. On average. Combination of the COVID interruption, the supply chain, and and just reliability, I'd imagine. uh, That'd play a role in also economics. You know, a lot of people are thinking, ah, not sure now is the time for me to get a different car. I think I'll drive this another year or so. Like in the 60s, they were all driving cars made in the 60s. Those are way older than the cars they're driving now. (laughs) That's a good point. Good point, Sean. Hard to argue with that math. Right. But uh, but I remember back in the day when you did not dare buy a used car with 50,000 miles on it. Right. I mean, right, that was right. just crazy unless you were a mechanic. Yeah. Oh, they're freeway miles. Oh. <laughs> These days, it's it's practically it's new. It might as well be new. Oh, yeah, exactly. That's when I buy cars is when they have about 50,000 miles on yeah. Um. Anyway, uh, but I did consider being drive around with a dent in your car guy. Just be that guy. And try it on for size. It's easier yeah, to yeah. find your car in the parking lot. Which truck is mine? Oh, that's right. The one with the big giant dent in it. That's beginning to rust. Yes. Yes. Let me bring my stained shirt and, uh, where are my keys? Oh, no. Dirty pants. Fell out of the hole in my pocket. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Embrace it. Uh, we have more important things to talk about, which we'll get to later. Um, it's Thursday, so jobless numbers come out on Thursday. Uh, more people are talking about Rush Limbaugh. We had quite a conversation yesterday after the show with actually, uh, uh, one of Rush Limbaugh's best, closest, oldest friends. 
who we talked to shortly after the announcement of his death, and um, thought that was really an interesting conversation. A man named Tom Sullivan. We'll play you some of that today. We've got a bunch of different stuff to get into. It's teamwork that makes the dream work, and that's why we introduce everybody in the squad. There's our board operator, Michelangelo, pressing buttons, flipping toggles, pulling levers. How are you this morning, Michael? I'm doing okay, but I'm taking a hard look at myself as why I haven't used the Internet to make money. Um, there's just... There's a clip I'm gonna I want to play for you guys today, and um, all I would say is this guy made sixteen thousand dollars in seven hours by just had a good idea. Or yeah, he had a good idea. Kill, kill a couple well, of people. No, here's what he did. He's selling what feet picks with a. <laughs> no, he he got on Twitch, and what he did was his gimmick was he turned up his speakers all the way before he went to bed, and if you tipped him, you could play any sound you wanted to scare him awake. What? Was, oh, that's was, a good one. It was a huge hit. Lots of people got in on it, and he ended up making $16,000 in uh, seven hours. You know, the, I, so, okay, I, so I see what you mean. I assumed what you meant was something that was going to be way too much work or complicated for no. me. But it's just the idea, just any idea, practically, that catches on and goes viral. And things stay popular for about seven hours. I mean, that's about how th- long things stay popular in the modern world. A hit song in the morning. It's a brand new song in the morning. It's a giant hit by the afternoon, and people are tired of it by evening. Right. That's the way things exactly. are now. Hey, quick 16K for getting uh, horrified, scared, out of sleep <laughs> over and over again. I'm sure, you know, sooner or later, yeah, the toll pe- that takes on his ticker. Doing it. <laughs> yeah. Who lost? His heart. <laughs> there is Positive Sean, whose smile lights up the room. How are you, Sean? Doing quite well. I will share a similar anecdote. One of the, the streamers that I watch most frequently has a, if you tip a certain threshold, um, he has essentially what's like a, a ping pong ball launcher. And you can uh, shoot him in the head with ping pong balls while he's playing video games and doing uh, doing wow. his stream and stuff. So I mean, it's it's the the same business model of your school fundraiser's dunk tank, right? Sure. You, you, you get you get the principal in there, do uh, something that's slightly maybe a little uncomfortable, humiliating, but hey, it's all in good fun, and you're supporting the the, the people that are apparently entertaining you in some way. And in the internet, the uh, the way it scales is so much different. Yeah. You just you know uh, a dollar from a whole bunch of people adds up really really fast. Right, which is the basis of the modern uh, world of pornography, as I understand it as well. You hook up a camera, and you take tips for performing certain acts. Oh, sure. Acts like juggling, uh, whistling, zippity-doo-dah, a variety of acts. (laughs) That's not degrading at all. Um, So if I set up like a uh, a webcam and... uh you got a thing that launches a basketball into my junk. <laughs> oh, um, huge success. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Particularly with your, your round, bald head. You could paint it orange. You could call yourself Bald to Ball Man or something. I don't know. It's a rough draft. I don't know. <laughs> Can, do you get the sense we're putting off talking about the news of the day? I don't know how long I could do that, though. It's not as sustainable as, say, the no. ping-pong balls being lightly right. tossed at your right. head. Yeah, like about yeah. the third time, I might think, I'm not into this. You better have a threshold pretty high for what the, <laughs> the, the tip. You, you don't want 50-cent tips no, triggering no. that one. No, indeed. you got to set a standard. Although, uh, it's uh, against my better judgment to continue the co- this conversation. <laughs> you gird yourself with, like, uh, hockey players have more than a cup. They have, like, an, uh, it's, it's equipment down there to protect the jewels. And you just feign agony. When mm. the ball hits you in your, your gear. That's not a bad idea. Yeah, I might be, be doing that this afternoon. Beside, how much good have those things done anybody in the recent years? <laughs> really? <laughs> I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty on this. It is Thursday, February 18th, the year 2021. We're Armstrong and Getty, and we approve of this program. Let's begin the show officially now, according to FCC rules and regulations. So much to talk about, so much going on in the world. Let's do it at Mark. 
Hey, have you ever looked at your bathroom door and thought, can I hit that with a hammer? Well, you're watching Can I Hit That With A Hammer? And I'm Justin. What the what? If you want to hear how that plays out, you'll have to keep listening. Because okay, we fantastic. have the rest of that episode. Fantastic. I don't even Stop know what it is. the hammering. You don't know what it is? What do you mean? Well, you're watching Can I Hit That With A Hammer? And I'm Justin. What okay. do you mean? That's what it is? Yeah. Okay. Maybe, it's a video. This is audio. You don't see. He's standing by a door holding a hammer. So maybe now you can kind of connect the dots. So are we going to have, for the first time, I'm sure, in our nation's history, um, a governor on each end of the state, two of the biggest, most powerful states in the entire country, get recalled at the same time? I think there's a decent chance that's going to happen. Absolutely. Entirely possible. Recalled, impeached, uh, rode out of town on a rail, uh, warm the tar, prepare the feathers. utter nonsense. I don't think it is there, pretty boy. Is there somewhere I can bet on that? <laughs> Gavin's going to get recalled. Andrew Cuomo might have to just step down and resign and spend all his time fighting the FBI and the Department of Justice <laughs> for his problems. Um, so we got that story, among other things. How's mailbag look? Oh, it's it's quite nice. Uh, it's coming together late. The printer didn't work for some reason this morning. I was gleefully printing for some time, then walked down there, and it ain't done nothing. But like, I think I got a reset. Like we said, we have some highlights from interviews with one of Rush Limbaugh's best, oldest, cult closest friends, which is really pretty interesting, and a whole bunch of other stuff for you. Hope you can stick around. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. We may be pretty close to, believe it or not, having trouble finding people to vaccinate. That could happen as early as next month, they think, based on the numbers of people that are interested in getting vaccinated and the number really? of vac- vaccine that we got out there. Yeah, so the, the, the two lines could cross. People willing to get vaccinated and vaccine available here. Before you know it, and then it's going to be a, how do we get the rest of the crowd to get on board so we can get to herd immunity? Wow, where's mine then? I mean, come on. How about those of us who are more than happy to get it? No, no kidding. Step to the front of the line. Uh, Mailbag. Also, I want to talk about the Mars landing this afternoon, which I'm very excited about that story. If you don't know about it, you should. Here's your freedom-loving quote of the day from Frederick Douglass. I've got a long one that's great, but I be- I love the simplicity of this. Knowledge makes a man unfit to be a slave. Hmm. Uh, I would say also a subject of a- an oppressive government. The more you know, the less you like to be oppressed. So learn yourself up. Moving along. The correspondence proper. It's going to interrupt the music, but a question posed by Matt. Uh, Jack and Joe, maybe you could compare and contrast Joe Biden's recent CNN responses. Uh, do you have that, Sean? Do you have a recent CNN response? When I was vice president, he was the vice president. That's how I got to know him so well, at the request of President Who, not a joke, his predecessor, President Who. Okay, all right, you got that. <laughs> and Matt wants us to compare and contrast that with those of Miss America contestants through the years to see who makes more sense. Thama. Oh, People out there in our nation don't have maps, and uh, I believe that our ed- education, like such as in South Africa and uh, the Iraq, everywhere, like such as. Yeah, okay. I'm giving the edge to the old man. <laughs> to- totally, I agree. Are you from around here? <laughs> John, Johnny, Johnny, Johnny. Such as the Iraq. 
<laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. How's your drink? <laughs> That's so beautiful. Oh, well. Where is she now, I wonder? Married that, to a rich guy. <laughs> Ding! <laughs> Moving along. Uh, uh, Kemp, on the topic of uh, Mr. Limbaugh, Rush Limbaugh, who passed away yesterday, and we do have some uh, really interesting stuff on his life and his career and who he really was. Uh, I'm reminded that the, the class act Al Franken's book was entitled Rush Limbaugh is a Big Fat Idiot. All right. So, it's remarkable how hypocritical Limbaugh's critics are, and so obvious that they've never listened to his show. Um, blah, 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 and then I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to read that, Kemper. Rush was a political cartoonist who used words, music, and other audio to create political cartoons. Exaggeration in that medium is essential, not a lie or deception. Interestingly, there are a few bits and things he did through his career that he regretted very much. He realized in retrospect that he hmm. shouldn't have done it. And, I haven't heard that. Yeah, it's a, he, he made more light of the AIDS epidemic mm. than he should have, according to him. He said he regretted that more than anything in his career. Interesting. And actually went into some rather eloquent um, uh, explanations of why it was the wrong thing to do. It was a manly apology. We got a nice note from a lady who said, I can't give him any respect because some of the things he said, and she mentioned uh, some of that, but, you know, uh, you have to spend a certain amount of time pretty close to the edge in this business. And if you do, if you do that for a living, you're going to go over it occasionally. But... Uh, again, a, a, a manful and complete apology for what he regretted. Moving along. This is from uh, Caleb, the conservative Marine in ultra-liberal Oregon. Uh, you need an acronym, Caleb. Or something. I realize you guys are running a radio show, and pictures may not be the best way to illustrate the times, but I thought you guys would appreciate the irony in this photo. It is a closed and shuttered business with the poster, Be kind, be safe, be well. And Caleb writes, they should have added, be out of business. Thanks for you guys encouraging people to be cautious and still pointing out the idiocracy and the overreaching government mandates, pushing businesses to shutter and children to insanity. Your even-handed approach on current events has made me a fan of the past 12 months. Thank you, sir. We appreciate that very much. Keep up the good work. You too. We'll be touching on that more later as uh, more people seem to have come across that study that was released over the weekend that shows that Florida and California have arrived at roughly the same spot after a year in terms of infections, hospitalizations, and people dead mm-hmm. per 100,000 people. Um, but California shut down harder than anybody in the country, and Florida shut down, I think, the least of anybody in the country and ended up in the same spot. Right, right. You know, I was going to try to shove in this absolutely fabulous note from Joe in San Francisco about uh, the minimum wage and business and the realities of business. It, it's such a good tutorial, even if you are uh, pretty hip to the ways of economics. I think it's worth sharing with you to remind you of of the challenge that, that small businesses face. I mean, every 50 cents they raise prices, what does that do to demand? What does that do to their customer base? Uh, you know, a, a an increase in, in wages, What what's that actually, uh, how big an increase is that actually to their cost? It's really good stuff. We'll share that in a bit. Are we going to run out of vaccine uh, or to people to put it in before we run out of vaccine, among other things to talk about? Armstrong and Getty. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. 
Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com news. That's LifeLock.com news to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As human beings, we're no different than the human beings anywhere else in the world. And there have been families, clubs, countries, thousands of years on this planet longer than we have. We're barely 250 years old. And we have outdone everybody in almost everything that lives, uh, raises a standard of living in the history of the world. It's not because our DNA is different. It's not because we're special human beings. It's because of our freedom. It's because of the founding documents and all those rights that we have, where they come from. That's, That's Rush Limbaugh stuff. from uh, back in the day talking about America. Um, I was amazed at how much stuff I came across yesterday about Rush Limbaugh being a white supremacist who pushed white supremacy for thirty years on the radio. I do. Oh, yeah. I don't. I don't yeah. know. I don't know what people were referring to. Of, of course, it's it's just the go-to whatever. Everybody's if he a white was in favor of conservatism of the United States, patriotism, the flag that makes you a white supremacist. 
supremacist, just by definition. We got to quit throwing around the terms like white supremacist so willy nilly, so easily. And racist, of course. Yeah. That's uh, that's not a good place to be. Anyway, that's yeah, ridiculous. You know what I really loved about that clip is uh, number one, Russia's unabashed uh, love of country, and secondly, you've pointed out that American exceptionalism is is not like magical. It's not just because we live between the Atlantic and the Pacific. No offense, why? Um, it's because of the ideas that form the country and that continue to inform the country. We're exceptional because we have unleashed the power of human liberty. Amen, El Rushbo. Amen. So we talked to one of Rush Limbaugh's best friends yesterday. You may know who he is. Uh, Tom Sullivan uh, was a radio host in Sacramento. Actually, he was just doing a financial radio hit in Sacramento, California, when Rush Limbaugh got his start in talk radio. And they became best friends and stayed best friends over the years. And Tom uh, went on to bigger things and had a show on Fox Business on TV and a variety of different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, Tom Sullivan, we got a hold of him shortly after the news broke that Rush Limbaugh died yesterday. And this is a little of the conversation. We all try to be ourselves. I think anybody who's ever been successful in this business is, to a large measure, themselves on the air. Because you, you have to, yeah. and people smell jive from a million miles away. On the other hand, there's there's part of you that maybe doesn't come out on the air. How would you describe Rush Limbaugh, the human being, to listeners who just know him through the air? Oh, um, I've told people this, and they look at me like I'm crazy. Um, Rush was, can't believe I'm saying was, um, a... Yeah extremely polite Midwest, son of the Midwest, son of Missouri, Cape Girardeau, uh, over, overly polite and also very generous, just a kind man. Uh, that um, The bravado on the air was bravado, but his beliefs were, I mean, he didn't make up his beliefs. He believed everything he said, but he said it with more, Bravado, I think, for production values more than anything else. But uh, what a kind, polite man he was. And anybody who ever really got to meet him off the air saw it instantly. Just over-the-top politeness. Uh, We've got more of that at armstrongandgetty.com because we talked to Tom for, I don't know, 45 minutes or something like that, and we'll play a little bit later in the show. Um uh, there's no doubting the impact uh, that Rush Limbaugh had on the industry that I make my living in. So uh, I've heard people say he saved AM radio. Probably true. AM radio was a music source when I was a kid. Mm. And then when FM radio was everywhere, why would you listen to AM for music when FM sounds so much better? What are we going to do with all this? I guess it's dead. Let's kill it. Let's put it away. Rush Limbaugh comes around. Oh, hey, spoken word. Perfectly fine on AM radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think um, in terms of the society, as the American left got more and more aggressive about shouting people down or calling them bad people for being conservatives, uh, going after people's character more than just arguing which policies yield greater benefits, I think Rush was the the big brother, the the buddy, the the neighbor who said, oh, no, 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 I agree with you. I think you're right. And so he was kind of like a North Star for conservatives who might be isolated in their communities around America um, to, to be supported. 
I would, I, I, as I said yesterday, I don't think I've heard 10 cumulative hours of Rush Limbaugh in my life because I've been in the radio business since, uh, since before he started. And I was always either working opposite of him or, you know, doing other stuff at, at work. So I just never was in a situation where I got to listen to him. But I remember hearing, and I, I, but I knew what a big deal he was and I was trying to get a sense of that. And I remember hearing Chris Matthews of, uh, of MSNBC describing Rush Limbaugh's, uh, why he was successful years huh. ago. Uh, before I even knew what Rush was. And I thought Chris Matthews' description was really good uh, and still seems like it. He said, this is for guys out there driving around. He said, mostly guys, and of course it was. Um, mostly guys who are out there driving around for their job. They're either sales guys or truck drivers or whatever they're doing. They're listening to the radio. They feel like nobody appreciates them. Their kids treat them like an ATM. I thought that was a great phrase. Mm. Their kids treat them like an ATM. Somebody's on their back all the time. They're okay with their job, but it's not their dream. They're trying to do the right thing. They're trying to get through the day. And here's a guy that's reflecting what they're the mood that they're in mm. about the state of things, and mm. nobody else is. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good description. Yeah. And then he went and hit on a twenty-year-old intern. Oh, Chris Matthews, allegedly. Oh, jeez. Yes. <laughs> Or whatever he was. Actually, he he didn't really do anything, did he? To get run not out of MSNBC? Really, no, not really. No, it's just he was politically incorrect. He was a middle aged guy. Yeah, but any, uh, but 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 so it's hard to, to you know it might that might seem ridiculous now that there's nobody reflecting that mood because every AM dial in America has fifteen shows doing that sort of thing. Rush uh, clones and and, yep. and a whole bunch of people who you know, even sound like Rush Limbaugh. Right. Uh, so, but be, before he did it though, there wasn't anybody representing that mood or point of view yeah so i I can see how that caught on um the jobless numbers are out ain't good man ain't good eight hundred and sixty thousand new claims is that up from last week that is up from uh previous weeks yeah up near nine up near nine hundred thousand the fact that it continues on we're coming up on wasn't the first big hit march yes so we're coming Mm -hmm. up on a year i don't think it's gotten below I think we had a couple in the 700s there. It hasn't gotten below the previous record high. Not even. It hasn't even really come close. No. Right. Right. So, for a year. That's what absolutely the, amazing. What are the jobless claims there in Florida? Where Ron DeSantis has the state open and going and, and numbers uh, comparable to the most shut down states in terms of the uh, the COVID. I, I understand. Uh, I understand everybody's tone that they take on this. I, I And maybe it's completely justified. But... I wish we could get away from the look what California did, look what Florida did. You know, this backs up, you know, my preconceptions of the world or not. Um, and, and just somebody drilled down on what worked and what didn't. So if if Florida stayed open and ended up with the same roughly situation COVID-wise as California, that's really interesting. What happened with the businesses? So they made it while California was mandating that people shut down and stay home and, you know, uh, various places fining you for even trying to open up or anything like that. They did the opposite in Florida. The governor there, DeSantis, he made it against the law for a county to force you to shut down. Wow. In the state of Florida. Wow. Talk about your laboratories of democracy. Yeah, I'd say so. But here's what I don't know. And I hope that, you know, people write their, their, their doctoral theses on this sort of thing. Um, the businesses that stayed open, did customers come or not? Uh, 
To and to what extent? I mean, did they self quarantine thirty percent, seventy percent, ninety percent? I don't yeah. know that. Actually. I don't. I don't know that either. And I'm 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 definitely against governments making people shut down. But yeah, we have to err to the side of liberty. But did you did you end up with the same net result in that people were scared to go out? The virus is everywhere. I'm not going to go to a restaurant. I'm not going to go there. Sorry, why don't we go ahead and play uh, clip number 55, Sean? This is Andy Slavity. He's a White House senior advisor on on the Chinese bat fever. States like Florida and California, um, California basically in lockdown, and their numbers aren't that different from Florida. Look, there's so much of this... virus that we think we understand that we think we can predict that's just beyond a little bit beyond our explanation well yeah. and and i'm not quibbling with what you said earlier jack about we have to figure out what worked but that's only half the battle the other half is why did it work yeah and there's a guy who's oh well, it's very complicated well if it's complicated and we're not sure you don't get to shut down people's businesses right right that's the point there nor kids schools oh hello yeah, yeah. I, and and the, the worm has turned on the coverage of that issue, too. I think it's a pretty significant moment. Uh, I have a big-time, super-heavyweight, lefty publication calling out the Biden administration for having serious struggles explaining why schools are closed. God, we're coming up on a year of that. Yeah, I know. I'll give you a pass on the first, I don't know, however many months. But since August, the the, the information has been out there that, no, you can open schools, it's fine. Right. Why right. is it taking and, and so long? Thousands and thousands of schools are, my friends. Are we going to run out of people to give vaccine to before we run out of vaccine, among other things on the COVID front? And other information talked about. I want to talk about uh, the Mars landing at some point, too. That's very yes. exciting to me. I, I love the exploration of outer space. Uh, our text line is 415-295-KFTC. Armstrong and Getty. We might have the opposite problem. That is very hard to believe. My next guest says the vaccine supply might be greater than demand as soon as April. I want to bring in Dr. Scott Lee. He was the FDA commissioner under the Trump administration, and he now serves on Pfizer's board of directors. Dr. Gottlieb, that's hard for me to believe as somebody who has spent an enormous amount of time trying to get my own family members vaccinated and failed at it. You think by April we're going to be flooded with supply? I think it's possible that we're going to see supply outstrip demand and we're going to have general availability. That doesn't mean that everyone's going to be able to go online. He goes on to say that it still could be a a bottleneck and difficult to make the appointments happen. But he believes, and he wrote a piece, uh, op-ed in the Wall Street Journal, Dr. Gottlieb believes uh, uh, supply is going to outstrip demand in April. Hmm. And there'll be enough out there for anybody who wants to get it in April. So that's a lot earlier than I'd been hearing. Or expect hit myself in the head with my microphone. What an idiot. Um, Maybe you yeah. deserved it. <laughs> Maybe Mike uh, deserved it. <laughs> I am a bit uh, discouraged by his, uh, you know, accepting that we might still have the bottlenecks in April. We can't freaking figure out how to get people in and out and get appointments and stuff. I in hope months. we can. Um, yeah. uh, you got to do what that one mayor did in Georgia. Can uh, call his a buddy who's the manager of a Chick Fil A. Say, hey, how do we get more efficient? Yeah, I love um, they're super efficient where I live on the getting the tests now. And I mean, it took a year to get there, but uh, they are super efficient. Uh, I need to do the same thing with getting the vaccine to arms. I, I well, we've talked about this enough, but I think if you strip away the layers of 
equity needs that speeds right. it up a hell of a lot. Show me your license. You 65 plus, roll up your sleeve. Period. That's it. I think probably you are going to be ready to move on from that here soon. If you look like you're over 18, jab them in the arm. Send them on their way. Right. I, I don't here, care. Here. You don't need to look at a license. You don't need anything. Um, but I, I thought that was pretty big news. So I, I wasn't expecting to get jabbed until summer. And it might right. happen in um, you know a month and a half. So that's that's really good news. Is there anything to protect against? I mean, somebody like who's mentally ill or or, or wacky, or I suppose those are the same things. Who like goes every day and gets jabbed ten days in a row? I mean, probably wouldn't be great for you. Might be self correcting. Probably, yeah. yeah. Anyway, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to slow down the line for that whack job. Right. Yeah. Fair enough. I stand aside. Uh huh. Um. You know, I should, I should, I should work on my language around that that topic. Having Which a topic? having a son with a various um, um, uh, mental emotional problems. Right. Yeah. Right. I hear you. I do. I do. I mean, it's not his fault. It's not anything he can control, or, or anybody, well, or or a lot of other people. Yeah. Yeah. I, it depends uh, how you use it. I think. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Sometimes we have. Um, you know, the constantly chasing the new politically correct term syndrome, which is no good. But yeah, mentally ill, a mentally ill person. Man, my son went into a, a depression anxiety thing all day long yesterday. Out of nowhere, he'd been doing pretty good. And then, like, flipped like a switch late afternoon into manic. Oh, oh depression anxiety is sad. Manic is scary. If you've ever been around anybody who's manic. And they're in a really good mood, but you can tell this isn't right. This isn't good. How's this going to end? What are they going to do? More energy and impulses than can be contained. Oh, just that the yeah, feeling? absolutely amazing. Anyway, yeah. uh, away from that. So on the COVID thing, because of COVID, U.S. life expectancy fell in the first half of 2020 uh, more than it has since World War II. Biggest drop in life expectancy in the United States since World War II. Since all of the great military powers on Earth were killing each other as fast as we could. Since the worst conflict in world history, yes. Yes. Yeah, that's striking. Dropped by about a year, right? Yeah. And it'll come back, obviously. It ticked downward the last couple of years, didn't it? Because of the opioid epidemic. Yep, the deaths of despair. Now you get the vid. Great. Fabulous. Uh, so, uh, moving along slightly, still somewhat vid-related, I think it is striking that the Washington Post is a piece this morning uh, entitled, Biden Team Struggles to Specify When Schools Will Open and Normalcy Will Return. The Biden administration is struggling to give precise, consistent answers to two key questions. When will the pandemic truly be behind us? And short of that, when can children safely return to school? Biden himself has blamed miscommunication for some of the inconsistency. But his, <laughs> yeah, that was just hilarious. Well, the school thing, there is plenty of science on, and you should just do it right now. And uh, and the freaking press should be more up their shorts in the White House on uh, there's no reason for this. Explain yourself. There's no scientific backing. Show me the science on why you can't be able to quit saying ventilators need to be fixed. Show me the data that says the ventilators need to be fixed. Quit saying teachers need to get uh, vaccinated. Show me the data. There is none. They should be up the shorts. On the other question, though, of when this will be over, they don't have any idea. So how about as the White House, you quit claiming you do have an idea. You don't have any idea. I don't have any idea. Nobody has any idea. We're just going to keep marching forward with the vaccinations and hope for the best.
Yeah, what is the temptation to have to have an answer? Because the other day the president was talking about June, and then Jen Psaki came on and said Christmas or vice versa, and it doesn't really matter who said what. Well, part of it is you ran for president, as all politicians do, acting like you could control this. In the first hundred days, we'll all wear masks and get this behind us. Yeah, you didn't know you could do that. It's not going to be behind us. Now, first time ever he threw out Christmas as a time when things might get back to normal. Oh, wow. That's a, moving it back a bit. Christmas of next year? Uh, uh, this this coming year? No, okay. Lower in the bar, Tad. But I'd I'd say. Lo- I loved what you said about the schools thing and getting up in their shorts. I mean, because they are sitting there with chocolate all over their face, and the media refuses to make them explain how, if they're not the ones who ate the chocolate bars, how they came to have such a chocolatey face. Because, <laughs> I mean, it is so obvious. The science says open. The teachers' unions, which have a choke chain around our necks, say stay closed. All right, which one are you going to do? Why don't you resist the pressure from the unions? What's more important, Mr. President, pleasing the unions or taking care of the health of the children? Yeah, get up and do your job, you damn lapdogs, you partisan lapdogs. Although, I, I tell you what, you know what? I didn't even check the bylines on this article. Uh, it's written by Cleve Woodson and Laura Meckler. I wonder, I'll bet you five bucks they both have kids. And they're motivated to write these stories. They're not among the 26-year-old single studio apartment dwelling folks that are 80% of America's quote-unquote journalists these days. It makes a difference. Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. that Boy, that whole exchange, and we talked about this yesterday, but where uh, Jen Psaki said, our goal is half of schools open one day a week. And Biden then on the CNN town hall said, well, do we have that clip, Andy? I mean, well, I can just tell you what he said. He said, no, that's not true. What? That was a miscommunication. That was what was reported. That's not true. There was a mistake in the communication. Yes, your very capable uh, press secretary stood there in the White House at the the lectern and said, our goal is what I just said. That's not miscommunication. Now, if that's lying or if the two of you need to get together in a room and compare notes, great. But that's floundering. Well, and it's the same sort of floundering that uh, was a giant, giant story when it was going on in the Trump administration. If he said one thing and a spokesman said another thing, it was an example of the evil and incompetence of the... But we all know how that works. And it's worth noting the uh, poll numbers on uh, approval of the way the Biden administration is handling school reopenings are quickly shifting. The approval numbers are dropping quickly. The disapproval numbers are rising quickly. I just think more and more people are hearing people like us say what we've said, that the schools are clearly safe to reopen. And there's all kinds of data to back it up from all around the world. So Mm -hmm. what is taking so long? Well, we all know the answer to that. Very, very frustrating. I am going to talk about Mars. I promise. Armstrong and Getty. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.
Seven questions, limitless answers. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.